When you talk about faith, many think about pastors' candles and flamboyant ministers. Yet we know from scripture that faith is not just a category, but a framework of thinking, a worldview. This podcast seeks to create biblically faithful and culturally engaging conversations where life and faith meet. Worldview Wednesday is a production of Veracity Found. For more information, visit our website www.veracityfound.org. Hello, friends. Welcome. Welcome once again to Worldview Wednesday. It's good to have you listening in. My name is Geoffrey, and uh, I'll be your host for this episode. I have with me Joseph, as usual. Joseph, say hi. Hello. And the man himself. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Dennis uh, Mugume. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you guys. We have been talking about the Fanero report that uh, was commissioned by Africa Center for Apologetics Research, ACFA, yeah. <laughs> and done by Veracity Found. As usual, as we've been saying, the, the report is available on the Veracity uh, Found website, uh, veracityfound.org, as well as on ACFA website, I think. It's good that we are back. And this particular episode is uh, a continuation of uh, the last we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will, uh, we will talk a bit, hint on a bit of the Fanero's understanding of man, uh, part of that, but it will, the conversation will feed into Fanero's understanding of salvation. And the reason we're doing this is because there is a pertinent issue that the, the report hints on that we thought is critical for us to talk about, and that's the understanding of the three-part constituency of man, big mm-hmm. Big words there. Uh, but I, I'm sure that two gentlemen will break them down. So uh, I'll get to you guys. Many of us, as the report shows, have been raised in a Pentecostal background. And a lot of what we have heard is that man is a spirit, lives in a body, yeah, and, has, and has, has a soul. A soul. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, man is three parts. Right. A, a human being cons- constitutes three parts. The spirit, the soul, and the body. And, uh, and, and that is, as we found, that is what Fanero teaches. Yeah. So in the report, we try and question, you know, that sort of understanding. So I will, I, I will bring it to you guys. It seems like there is a problem with that sort of understanding. First of all, does Fanero teach that? And if it does, is there proof that there, you know, Grace Weger teaches that and the others? But also, what would be the problem with thinking of human beings as three-part constituents, if that is the best way to put it. Yeah, Joseph. Uh, Thank you, Geoff. Maybe to begin with a sort of nuancing to say that it it may not be that everyone who holds to the three-part constitution of human being takes it to the extreme ramifications of it. Uh, mm-hmm. just to put it out there. So let it not sound like anyone and everyone that may be listening and has believed in uh, the three-part constitution necessarily immediately qualifies as a uh, heretic. Yeah, heretic in that <laughs> sense. Yeah. Um, and so that, that needs to be said from the onset. Um, perhaps what we will be saying is that the conception or such an understanding of the constitution of man or mankind or human person can have quite 
extreme and wrong uh, connotations and um, ramifications as such, especially as we understand who we are as human beings, but also what it means to be saved. But also the other thing we need to introduce at this moment, um, for those of you who have been listening, is the aspect of Gnosticism and the Gnostic origin of the three-part constitution of humanity. The idea that man is, or human, a human person is a spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. Um, we take that for granted indeed, but we don't tend to question it and to understand its uh, genesis, its origin, that actually it is deeply rooted within the Gnostic idea and the Gnostic conception and teaching. Now, one um, Bible scholar called Lewis uh, Bakoff would mention that the most familiar but also the crudest form of trichotomy or the three-part constitution is that which takes the body for the material part of man's nature, the soul as the principle of animal life and the spirit as the God-related relational immortal element in man. What Bakoff is saying is usually, especially as, as Jeff mentioned, if you're coming from a Pentecostal background, but also if you've been influenced by Gnostic thought, you'll begin to think of the three-part uh, composition with the body being, you'd say, the besser, the material mm. part, the material nature or substance of a human person. The soul is in between, as uh, we will see, and it's sort of like that which the principle of life, the life that we have. But then we tend to think of the spirit as um, that which God relates to and that which is immortal and remains to eternity. In fact, we tend to think of the spirit as immortal by, by, by nature. And that's uh, what, you know, trichotomism or the, the idea that man is spirit, soul, and body usually is and and of course we might have remembered in our last discussions saint irenaeus of lyons who had written about the gnostic belief in the three-part constitution of humanity when he says uh, at least the gnostics say there are three elements the first the material which they also call the left-handed we would call it the body and which they say must necessarily perish inasmuch as it is altogether incapable of receiving a breath of incorruptibility. The second, there is the ensouled element, uh, which we would call the soul, to which the Gnostics also give the name right-handed, inasmuch as it is between the spiritual and the material, it will go over to that element to which it has an inclination. Now, of course, we will see that more as we delve into what Farina teaches. The third, the spiritual we will call it the spirit, which has been sent forth that here below it might take on form, having the ensouled element as its consort or servant and having been disciplined together with it in conduct. And this spiritual element, they, the Gnostics say, is the sword, the light of the world. And so those three, uh, the material which will perish and cannot mm. receive this, the breath of incorruptibility and cannot be saved, the soul, which is in the middle and really goes over to whichever, or either the body or the spirit that has the strongest power in the, at the moment, and then the spirit, which they would say is the no, more noble, the nobler or the noblest in, a, in that sense, and, and the incorruptible. Um, yeah, thing. so, so in, in, in plain language, uh, it's basically saying the body, uh, your five senses, your sight, your smell, your touch, mm. your taste. 
All right. So the body is what you use to interact with the physical realm. You see that. And then your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then your spirit is that space where God dwells. So when you ask them, where does Christ dwell? Christ dwells in my spirit. Mm. And in that spirit, that's where you have your interactions with God and the hunger for God is in your spirit. So you engage with God from your spirit and then you engage with this other world from uh, your five senses or from how you feel about what you see in the, in the world. So that's that's where the soul is for this kind of thinking. And as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of people that would believe in uh, man or human beings as three constituent parts. Yeah. But the focus of our conversation here is yeah. on what Fanero would teach. Right. And so what is that nuanced element of Fanero that maybe might differ from the rest of the art teaching that involves this idea of man consisting yeah. being three parts? Um, okay. Maybe to quickly also note that this tripartite understanding or the three-part constitution of man understanding was actually condemned by the church. To mention that at the Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, it was condemned as wrong precisely because of one of the consequences of it being, you know, Apollinarianism, the Apollinarianist conception of who Christ was because he held to the tripartite or the three-part constitution was such that he did not see Christ as the true man, true God, joined together as one person per se, but he actually saw the divine word or the logos, Christ as the logos, replacing in that sense uh, the, the mind of man, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And in a sense, so he was, you could see him as a human being, but actually the mind he had was divine. And we'll see why that is crucial to precisely when people begin say, you know, saying, I am the same spirit as Christ. The misconception of the indwelling to actually mean a replacement of one part, of one constituent mm -hmm. over the other. Because if there are three constituents that can be, in that sense, separated in a, in a way, then it's possible actually to either replace one or even one to exist without any. I think Rubega someone a spirit, soul, and body. Uh, that was 25th Jan 2018, and this is what he says. It began from the spirit into the soul and then the body. God works with you that way. He speaks to your spirit and then relates it with your soul into your body. And he says the body is the third in the order of things of God. You are a spirit with a soul in a body. That's Rubega. And so for Rubega's understanding or for Faneru's understanding by and large, the spirit is your identity. Your soul is your possession. Your body is sort of like your accessory. And of course, he would rely on, on other scriptures. For example, he, he will look at Genesis creation and uh, think Genesis 1.26 will refer to the creation of your spirit, while Genesis 2.7 mm. would be the creation of your body for which the soul is, you could say, imparted mm. in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and which is why, as we saw from our last conversations, he can say that when the superstar Jesus returned to heaven, he said to me, Apostle Grace Rebecca, go down and show them and says, that day I entered the realm of men, I entered the body, I am not ordinary, I'm from above. He could say that he came and entered the body precisely because mm. he holds to the pre-existence of the spirit and he actually 
support to the idea that he and his identity as Grace Rebecca is the spirit. Maybe I can stop there before we see what the Bible would, would say about that. The, the whole notion of God being confined to one part of our bodies, our lives as yeah. human beings, yeah, yeah. that is your spirit has several consequences. So when you asked about what is it about Fanero's teaching of the tripartite system which makes it problematic, that's where it begins from. The, mm. the fact that Grace Lubega and Tim don't believe that you know God can interact with you. Mm. God only interacts through your spirit. And that is the one that has been sent, the, the, the one that came from heaven and entered your body. Yeah. In other words, anybody who has not been awakened in that sense mm. cannot have you know, a walk with God. Yet in scripture, there are several references of different people that God interacted with, even if in that, in, in a, like a funeral sense, weren't yet awakened. So, so that is, that is what is problematic about that. And, and as we shall see, um, more, more references coming up on that. Yeah, this is this could be a really long discussion, trying to make it as short as possible. Mm. But there are scriptures that would seem to indicate that sort of understanding. I, I think of First Thessalonians, I think, 5, yeah, five, 23, 23, yes. You know? Yeah, Hebrews uh, 4, 12, I 12, think, as yes. well. Okay, we talked about why the church discredited that sort of understanding. But of course, the church would have used scripture yeah. um, as its basis. So what would be the right way scripturally to think about man's constituency uh, but also why why would it be wrong for me to think that man is spirit soul and body in as far as scripture's teaching is concerned i would begin from mark 12 love the lord your god with all your heart mm. all your soul all your mind all your strength i'm not sure we can look at it and say therefore man is soul strength mm. mind if in mark he splits it into four mm. are we then quadrupite or something yeah. mm. you get what i'm saying like why are we insisting on using one verse mm. declaring us as tripartite yeah. yet there are other verses which seem to say the same thing but they're giving us even more apartments you know yeah. more, more categories so i find it a bit inconsistent even with the hebrews re- reference the word of god is sharper than in two ages so dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow if you're saying we are there for soul and spirit and there's a division are we also joints and marrow can we also fully divide us? The the hermetic is not consistent yeah. to go with the tripartite system. That's why it, it is a bit problematic because you you don't do, do that for one verse and then not do the same thing for other verses which seem to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could say that when Scripture does make mention of yeah spirit, uh, soul, body, strength, mind, mm. it's not necessarily giving us a lesson in anatomy. No, it's not. It's not trying to. Uh, do those sort of divisions. That's that's one. It seems, I think, uh, biblically credible to say that what the Bible authors are doing is simply show or demonstrate that as human beings we have have a spiritual or a non-material component Mm. and a physical material component. The physical component will be referred to with various words like flesh in one aspect and or body in another aspect, right? Mm. While the spiritual component will be referred to as the spirit in one context or the soul soul, in another. And so we cannot say because the Bible uses synonyms or words that could mean the same thing, therefore we should divide between those same words. There is a variety in language. There is a variety in writing and words. 
And I think a Bible reader and one who studies should be able to make those distinctions. But maybe adding to uh, what Dennis Mugume had mentioned, for example, when we read 1 Corinthians 7.34, we see that man is body and spirit, right? And we see that again in Scripture, again and again, that the soul and spirit often refer to the same thing. So think about John 12.27, CF John 13. 21. Uh, on the one hand, Jesus is troubled in the spirit. On the other, he's troubled in his soul. Think about Luke 1, 46 to 47, Job 7, 11. All those texts would use soul and spirit synonymously. And as uh, White Grudem, would, uh, a theologian, would, would say, everything that the spirit is said to do, the soul also does. You can think of Isaiah, you know, 26, 9. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. It's not two components, so to speak, doing their thing alone unnecessarily. It's, it's just the author's poetic writing of saying, my inner being, my spiritual being, so to speak, is yearning for you. I mean, think about Luke uh, for 1, 46, 47, Mary's rejoicing song and praise. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the Lord, in, in God, my Savior. You realize the my and my in both components, of course, refer to each other. Uh, magnify and rejoice refer to one another. The Lord and God, my Savior, are the same person, really. And so you couldn't look at soul in that context and think it actually is different from spirit. And so they are, I mean, you, so that applies to First Thessalonians 5.23 that you did mention. That applies to Hebrews 4.12 that we did hint at. The authors are not telling us these are different or separate per se. It's emphasis that they are doing, using similar words to emphasize a point mm. as such. Someone would really ask themselves, why get into you know such details? Um, yeah. Does it even matter whether I think of human beings as spirit, soul, and body, or uh, yeah. what's the other? Body and, body and soul, and souls yeah. or spirit, material, immaterial. You know why? Uh, but I think that, as you will notice in Faneru's teaching, that sort of understanding has um, implications, implications on yeah. salvation and how we think of salvation, and um, which is which is, I think, something that I, I would think we, we we should hint on. Yeah. Um, the other thing to think about is that, as you as we mentioned about how Gnostics thought of, you know, this th- idea of three parts. Um, a constituency, they took it a bit further and considered the whole world or humanity yeah. to be a constitution of that three-part uh, system, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. I mean, some of the people are Kano, Kano yeah. then others are soulish, then others are spirit, spiritual, yeah. spirit beings or spiritual in that sense. And the Kano people are obviously those that have not come to say to the knowledge of God. Yeah. Uh, the soulish people are those that have understood God, mm. you know, but they have not tapped into the depth of the revelation of knowledge, mm-hmm. um, gnosis in that regard. They are yeah. not the Gnostics. Yeah. Um, and of course the other three the other third one is uh, the Gnostics. Yeah. And and interestingly they also think of the three sons of of of, of uh, Adam. Of Adam. Yeah, as representing that, you know, yeah. Cain for the uh, mm. the the Kano people, um, Abel for the Solish people, yeah. and 
uh, Seth representing. Uh, my question, you may have hinted on it, but what are the implications in terms of salvation, having this sort of understanding? Yeah. Is there any ramifications for uh, as far as salvation is concerned? The fact that salvation is looked at in terms of knowledge. Mm. So someone would say, for example, sin is not a problem for the new creation. The problem is in the church is not sin. The problem is knowledge. So Fanero doesn't see Jesus as the savior uh, from sin, but as an educator, as one who comes to give, uh, to give us the enlightenment that we've been looking for, that we need. Yeah, That's a problem, you know, yeah. because then it, it downplays the gravity of how bad sin is and how deep it goes yeah and just put it to the level of just get this special knowledge this special revelation that you have yeah and you'll be freed from sin yeah so the practical way it looks like in the public is that if you met someone who is deeply steeped in this kind of teaching you cannot get them to admit that they are sinners yeah it's it's not possible because again their body is not them yeah right uh so what i I don't know if we touched on that uh, previously but what they do in the body is it's not them as mm-hmm. such the body is again as we just read of the gnostics it's it cannot take on incorruption it cannot receive salvation mm-hmm. in any sense and, and consequently therefore it's damned in that sense mm-hmm. uh, what matters really is uh, the spirit and since the spirit is saved According to this conception, what they need is to actually feed it with knowledge in that sense. Mm -hmm. And um, the more knowledge one has, of course, the knowledge of who they are as divine stars, as those who have come from the one, from God, and have the same substance, the more they have that, the higher they do ascend. Um, And so we, of course, as, as, as Dennis just hinted, the idea for the Gnostic, Savior is not necessarily to save them from sin, which they relegate to just their body. But the idea for the Gnostic Savior is to really awaken them, so to speak, uh, mm. from the spell that they've been under. Mm. Um, not to die for uh, Christ did not come to die for the salvation of the people, or to be a sacrifice for sins, or to rise from the dead on Easter per se. But the Gnostic Revealer discloses knowledge that frees and awakens people and helps them recall who they are. Mm. And as a result, um, when that happens, they can return to the beginning where they, are, where they were one with God. And such life transcends what is mundane and mortal in, the, in this world and experiences the bliss of oneness with the divine. In simple terms, the sort of three-part constitution makes one focus more on the nobler of the three in quotes, which mm. would be the spirit at the neglect of what they consider the better. And of course, Rebecca would say that God does not even relate to your body. He just relates to your spirit. Your spirit yes. And that's, that's, that's the idea that your body, in a sense, as I mentioned, it's an accessory. It, it just helps you get along, but actually salvation lies in escaping it. But that escape comes through knowledge, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so even things like uh, preaching messages on repentance is, is a rare one uh, because what is repentance apart from listening to the man of God? In other words, if you're struggling with an addiction, Mm. Um, and that's that's a message called, I think, submitted to His Grace. Mm. Uh, he says, do, do, "Don't bother with you know all, all this stuff. Just just come and listen to what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Listen yeah. To, to the word, yeah. and then those addictions will fall away. Yeah. And of course, it's followed by clapping and raising of chairs. Yeah. But the point there is, 
that very hard cutting apart of of spirit and body mm. um leaves someone with a broken reality mm. in yeah. terms of how they see the world because yeah. we have young people in this country lots of them struggling mm. with all kinds of sexual sin alcohol addiction and all kinds of self indulgence things and they are coming to church and they are being told that look here no 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 that's not your issue J- just learn the sermons of the man of god J- mm. just play them in your music systems play them in your phones and and your addictions will go away yeah yet the reality is they they still stay you know mm. like they don't go away because you've had many sermons yeah. there are no proactive steps that that are taken yeah to deal with the uh, the, the addiction yeah yeah know? so that that's that's the practical implication of what this looks like in the public that there is no confrontation of sin yeah. because whenever you confront sin you are awakening something from the soul yeah of the body yes from 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 from, from, the, from body. the body and flesh yet yeah. you're supposed to call people by what Christ has made them yeah you know he gives an example of, of how Christ did not call the woman as a prostitute he, he called her out by saying woman you know Christ does not call us by our sinfulness mm. yeah so there is no real message about mm. sin and mm. its dangers yeah. yeah to the christian it goes uh, a, a bit further than that and mm. i think i i remember as i was listening to him sometime mm. um I, i'm forgetting which uh someone it was you know he mentioning something to do with uh, you know when you when when you are sick mm-hmm. um you know the, the more you say you are sick yeah is the more you get sick yeah yeah, yeah. and and yeah. that's and that's because since the soul is right there in the middle yeah. you know mm. um when you when you speak it you are causing the soul that it to agree with the body yeah and because at the testimony of two witnesses a matter shall be established yeah, yeah. Um, what you're doing is you are causing the soul to align with the body and you will be sick. Yeah. But the more you say, I am not sick, mm-hmm. the soul that is in the middle, yeah. you know, will agree with the spirit, right. which spirit is not sin. And in that regard, you will not be sick, yeah. Yeah. you know, because it's two against one. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's quite interesting. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. And, and of course, I suspect we will, we will discuss that more under prosperity gospel. Yeah. But the bit about sin not being because he says that sin is not the problem for the new creation yeah the problem in the church is not sin the problem in the church is knowledge and yeah. he says that in submitted to his grace yeah. um you know when you think of human beings mm-hmm. um as uh, especially those that have come to the knowledge of you know the gospel yeah as being you know divided into two there's the the people that are saved mm-hmm. yeah. but they do not have this deep revelation right. yeah. you know in that mm. sense the soulish people yeah and then you have on the other hand uh, the gnostics mm-hmm. yeah. that's how the gnostics thought of themselves as yeah. separate from the others because they had a, a higher, deeper revelation deeper a revelation higher, yeah. A higher knowledge yeah um and of course there are scriptures that call us to know the lord yeah. you know to yeah. know to know him yeah and what you would be saying therefore and i'm asking yeah. is it that we do not need to get a deeper knowledge of god is it okay for me to come to the lord you know and to you know get saved be okay with what i know 
should I pursue deeper knowledge? Deeper knowledge, deeper yeah. knowledge of the Lord. Yeah. Um uh, would that be wrong in that regard? And talk about this distinction between those that have a deeper revelation and, and those, those that, that don't. That don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so maybe just to quote um Lovega himself lest um people think we are maybe making these things up. Um in Word of Eternity he writes there are those who that Paul speaks of in Ephesians 4:18 who are like the Gentiles alienated from the life of God. Mm-hmm. This alienation is not because they don't have the life but because they don't know the word in which that life works. When you say don't know the word still think about ascending back to the spiritual realm. Mm. They confess that they have eternal life. They sing praises about this life they carry. However, they are both ignorant and indifferent to the word of eternity. It is eternal life to know God, and this means that the word of eternity starts to open to you depending on your knowledge of God. He says again in the hidden gospel, he says, there is a gospel that seems open and known generally. There is a gospel that is hidden. So those are two gospels, you would mm, say. Mm, mm. <laughs> While the scripture will say there is one gospel, one gospel which yeah. I received, which I hand down, yes. Rebecca will say there are two gospels in a sense. Um, there is that which seems to be open and non-general, but there is another that is hidden. And he says we are all believers, but there is a message that is hid from some. Some assume that because they are preaching what sounds reasonable, then that makes it the gospel, but it is not so. And what Lubega is doing is move the three categories again you had mentioned, the carnal or the fleshly or those that correspond to the body who really are not regenerate or they haven't come to the saving knowledge of Christ. But then even with those who, Lubega would say, have come to the saving knowledge of Christ, there are divisions, there are mm. categories, there are mm. classes. Mm. Um, and the classes are determined not by one's holiness, mm. not by one's obedience, maturity, not yeah. by one's obedience, but by one's knowledge, deep revelation. And so you'll find uh, statements like, yeah, deep revelation, of course, is a common one that is used. But you think about epignosis, you think about gnosis, mm. they, would, they would use the two terms to refer to distinguish those who have the soulish sort of level of knowledge who seem to have a certain basic understanding but they don't have a deep understanding of mysteries mm. but of course we recall that the gnostics also had those same three categories they spoke of the animate level which corresponds to the unregenerate the non-born again people but after conversion believers or christians also uh, have sort of like two categories. There are those who are on the creator level, that is just as divine sparks. Mm-hmm. But then there are those who transcend that and get to the spiritual element, those who have mystical knowledge, also called gnosis. Because remember, that's their name, uh, Gnostics. It comes from Gnosis. They are the ones who have knowledge, knowledge as yeah. such. Mm-hmm. And so those distinctions come in but we definitely realize that the Bible does not provide those distinctions, especially among Christians. Yeah, uh, It's not our level of knowledge. Of course, we should know God. We mm. should strive to uh, understand him relationally and experientially and through his word. But that level of knowledge does not make distinguish us from fellow believers because ultimately salvation is not about what we have or what we do. Uh, what makes us saved and Christians and part of the same family is the grace of God. Yeah. It is what Christ has done. And when Paul says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise mm-hmm. and uh, the weak things of the world to shame the strong, that's 
a world upside down way of looking at things and definitely completely different from how Fanero would conceive of it. Yeah. Mm. And so I'm not different from anyone just because of what I know. Mm. We are one precisely because the same sacrifice, the same price was paid by Christ for us all and we were joined by the same spirit, uh, have the same uh, faith, this one baptism and one Lord mm. that brings us together as one community uh, where we are indeed to grow in our obedience to God. But our knowledge does not distinguish us necessarily. The other trouble, of course, would come from the fact that they seem to suggest a complete removal of sin, a complete um, that Christians cannot sin. Like there's a level you get at and you you cannot sin. It's not possible for you to sin. And yet the Bible preaches or, or talks about things like sanctification, you know, where our obedience to the Bible or the Word of God, you know, as enabled by the Holy Spirit, we are sanctified to put off the old man and to put on the new man, you see. So that's not something that you would find in their teaching. We'll probably find more about knowledge than about simple obedience. Of course, to me, I'm always more concerned about how this looks like practically in the Christian life. And so you, you find that this idea of obedience or of walking in holiness or putting off the old man and putting on the new man is not there. Mm-hmm. It's more or less about how much knowledge can you acquire and accumulate. Yet, yeah. Scripture calls us to simple obedience. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you, you know a lot, but are you living it out? Are yeah. you embodying the life of Christ in you? Mm-hmm. Is there a brokenness? So it's a, a sort of rude arrogance that claims to know everything. All these scriptures taken out of context. We've received the mind of Christ and you know all things. So if you know all things, why are you in school? If you know all things, why are you... You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like it's it's this broken, again, broken experience, broken reality. That mm-hmm. is split reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you know some things, but you can't leave them out because it's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah in and that and we, uh, I talked about that savoring and knowledge mm. from reality mm. uh, in the previous right. uh, conversations. Mm. So our knowledge of God, may that cause us to obey God more, but may it not separate that which God has <laughs> united. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If we are one body, we are joined by the same gospel. The introduction of classes or classism as such almost in a way hints to the Hindu caste system in a sense in you could say but we are called to the simple obedience as dennis does mention and may we be found to be obedient i like the point that you've made our knowledge of god does not separate us into classes as christians we are not more spiritual than others on account of anything that we know you know or don't know and i think that is very critical for us to understand because it sort of continues to create this caste system that puts Lubega and some of these others as superior superior, superstars, superstars, people that others look to in order to become like them, yeah. you know, and yet our call is to become like Christ, not yeah. like Omega or any of these yeah. guys. And just one last one, the people that are actually deep were trying to be deep, they were trying to be faithful. Yeah, yeah. They were trying to faithfully follow Christ. Yeah. yeah. So if we try to faithfully follow Christ, obedience, that's what being deep means. Yeah. That, that yeah. There's a brokenness about you. You're embodying the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians mm. 5. Not Greek words and Gnosis and Epignosco. Yeah. And, and, and speaking about those two, in, in, sum, in summer as we conclude, I know uh, we sh- our time is almost up. Uh, the report has a full analysis of 
those terms. Yeah. Uh, let no one deceive you that there is a difference between the two. Uh, let no one deceive you. Um, but also, of course, uh, someone who compares epignosis with with Nosco does not know Greek at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't. Uh, one, they are comparing a noun with a verb, mm. and I don't think they know it. Mm. But two, b- both nouns are gnosis and epignosis, and epignosco and gnosco both have same meanings they are used interchangeably yeah. no, there is none that says this is complete knowledge as as Lovega would say and then the other saying this is progressive knowledge yeah. that sort of explanation comes from a poor poor or a lack of understanding of, of the greek language really yeah. so let no one deceive you but go to the report and, and and you will find more details and more discussion amen amen thank you dennis thank you joseph been lovely having you guys listening in my name is jeffrey we will meet next time thank you for listening Worldview Wednesday is a production of Veracity Found. For more information, visit our website www.veracityfound.org.